You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Let's begin now. Live and local, 610 Sports Radio kicks off. Shortened shows. For those of you that were just listening to K-State, not K-State's best day, but you know, a lot of basketball left. It's only December. you got a ton of basketball moving forward. Very early, Dusty. Yeah, it's, it's early. It was, a, it was a tight game, too. Yeah, that's fair. Um, down to the wire, I guess is what people will call it. Um, Dusty Likens here with you. Nick Price as well. We have you until 3 o'clock, so we have you for about an hour and a half, and then you'll get Chris Nacero, uh, Julian Carroll, and uh, Julio Sanchez for overtime here on Live and Local Saturdays on 610 Sports Radio. Thanks for joining us. For those of you out driving and getting all your essentials before tomorrow, um, I'm not sure what to expect. That's why we have a meteorologist coming on the show today. Fox Force Joe Loria will join us at 2 o'clock to get us prepared for what is the first uh, the first of, I would assume, many more snow days um, to come for the Kansas City area. Especially, I couldn't have picked a better time for tomorrow. As supposedly we are expected anywhere from two to five inches. And that's wave number one. It's never good when you hear uh, meteorologists say, well, there's one wave, there's going to be another wave. Either way, right. look it's at like, it. How many waves are we going to get here? And also, I was looking at the weather a couple days ago, and it was saying maybe, like, start after the game. Now they've moved it down to it might start snowing around 9 o'clock. So, like you said, we're going to get into it right at uh, 2 o'clock with Joe Loria. But, um, yeah, not really sure what to expect, but it's going to snow. Do you hate the snow? I hate the snow more than I did as a child, but I don't hate the snow. I hate the snow that, like, you know the snow when you don't get a snow day off of school, but there's just enough snow on the ground to where it's an inconvenience? Yeah. That's the kind of snow that I don't like. Snow was always terrible, uh, like, the older I got. Like, as a kid, it was great because you got to miss school. And then it got to the point where people just, like, in college, like, they only canceled school if uh, they couldn't shovel the driveway or the parking lot. Right. So, like, in college, it was, like, really where, like, you figured out if you had to, like, literally, uh, if you had to uh, um, figure out uh, if you wanted to go to class or not because it was basically, like, in the meantime of, hey, by the way, there's six inches of snow on the ground. We're still having classes, so it's up to you. And it depended on if your teacher was a real Richard. If they were like, oh, yeah, we had a, a surprise pop quiz day while you were he- while you while you decided to stay home. Um, I had a couple of those teachers, actually, which... Uh, no, there's a lot of them out there. I actually lucked out and going to KU, Lawrence. There's so many hills that if the buses couldn't get up the hills in the snow, you got a snow day. So any kind of snow, we were good to go. Live and local, that's Nick Price. I'm Dusty Likens. This is the show that we call Out of Bounds. Just a reminder for you that uh, you will get overtime with Jillian Carroll, Kristen Acero, and Julio Sanchez following us. And then Sunday, starting at 9 a.m., you get Steven Serta's Fantasy Football Show, and then immediately following that... You will have Pete Sweeney and Kent Swanson for the Arrowhead Pride pregame show on 610 Sports Radio. That'll go all the way till the first kick of the game. So that'll be all the way till noon. And then they'll take your calls immediately after in postgame. And it'll be Jay Binkley and Pete Sweeney for postgame for the Arrowhead Pride postgame. Um, Denver and Chiefs. That's what this weekend is. 
Um, it's pretty interesting if you think about it because I think that the Chiefs and the Broncos have been the rivalry of the AFC West since I can remember. I'd agree with you on that. Yeah. You know, I, I moved to Kansas City in 2001. So really just in recent memory, like the last two decades, that's been the team that most consistently has competed with the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, and I mean, I guess it's because of relevancy. Um, I know the Chargers had a couple of years where they were pretty consistent with the young Phillip Rivers, LaDainian Tomlinson, so on and so forth. That didn't really have the feel like you're like, God, I just hate the Chargers. Um, you think about the Oakland Raiders, like the Oakland Raiders and the Kansas City Chiefs, that was like an 80s, 70s type thing. Um, right, like I, I understand that it's supposed to be a big rivalry. It's just re in recent memory, they haven't been consistently good enough or challenged the Chiefs in any way to where like both of them were fighting for the division. On the other side, though, that has been the case with the Denver Broncos. Yeah, so the Raiders weren't really a challenge. Like they had a couple years where like Gannon was the MVP. They went to the Super Bowl. They got blown out by the Bucks. John Gruden, the whole story, you know it. It didn't last long enough. You didn't have a lot of hatred. Like you can hate the Raiders but I don't think they're considered a rivalry. Um, and when we talk about this, I think that we see that this weekend um, of why Denver still has the opportunity and the chance to continue to move forward, I think, as the rivalry of the Chiefs. And you can join in us on this as well. Text line 69306. Who do you see as the biggest rivalry for the Kansas City Chiefs in the past 20 years? Denver, Oakland, or the Chargers? I personally think it's been the I think it's literally been the Broncos since 96. You think of Elway and all the years he broke your hearts if you're a Chiefs fan. You think of when they went to the Super Bowl and you think it couldn't get worse than it did when they got Peyton Manning as their quarterback. But we knew Oakland had a good draft last year. And you kind of think to yourself, okay, Oakland comes into Arrowhead. They're having a chance. They're only a half game behind the lead for the division. Uh, we'll see what they can do. And then you kind of look deeper into the numbers and you see yourself as like, Okay, Derek Carr hasn't beaten the Chiefs at Arrowhead ever in his career. He's now 0-6. His QBR is terrible. Um, it's not like he does any better when they go play at Oakland, and now they're going to go to Las Vegas, so that's going to kind of fluctuate with it. And until Oakland honestly gets a better quarterback, they can't really compete with the Chiefs because of what the Chiefs have at quarterback. Right, the ceiling is kind of there for Derek Carr as of right now. You know, We haven't really seen that much improvement from year one to where he is now. Yeah. So it's not like he's really going to take them to that next level. they got to find somebody else. And then you look at the Chargers, and I honestly couldn't tell you who in the hell is behind Phillip. Um, they're just kind of letting him play his career out, which, again, that's why the NFL is uh, half the teams seem to get it. The other half doesn't. Uh, it is a business. Uh, if you don't want your business to, uh, like, I guess, lackluster, you have to always kind of think about your next move. It's kind of similar to a golf game or a pool game. You're not worried about your current shot. You're worried about your next one. And when it comes to L.A., um, they have two running backs that are going to be free agents after this year, Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler. You've got to do something there. That can change the balance, the chemistry of the team. Keenan Allen is probably getting to the other half of his career, and it hasn't really worked with Mike Williams. I'm not sure where they move on with their coach, but things in L.A. aren't as great as they seem. Plus, they just has never had that buzz with the Chargers. And then you look at the Denver Broncos. Now, I know it's only a small sample size, but it appears as of now that the Denver Broncos may have found their quarterback. This is what makes teams kind of bitter rivals when it comes to going head-to-head -head against each other. Now, I get it. Drew Locke has only played two games. 
He's been outstanding in those two games, five touchdowns, two picks. Um, he is the first rookie ever to throw for three touchdowns, 300 yards in his first road game of his career and win what he did last week against the Houston Texans. You can call that Drew Locke's coming out party, or you can call it Bill O'Brien just being Bill O'Brien. But either way, Drew Locke is going to come to Kansas City. He's from here. I don't need to talk about that. We don't need to use the word homecoming anymore. That has been... It's been um, the story all week. It's been abused. Yeah. I've done it myself. But the thing about this is that this is what makes these two teams become a bitter rival. I get it. John Elway did a really good job because he was so good for so long, and he had a lot of times where he just ripped your heart out. Do you remember Elway versus Montana? And then... Peyton Manning came in here, and even though Peyton Manning played for the Colts, you still had a little bit of hatred because of the no-punt game when Indianapolis was here. You lost the Colts all the time in the playoffs. You just couldn't beat the Colts. And then all of a sudden, he comes to Denver, and it's like you could go anywhere you wanted to finish out your career, and John Elway brought you to Denver for the final four years of your career where you just completely ran through the AFC West. You had... You know, fantastic numbers where you threw for 50-plus touchdowns. Your offense was historic. And, in fact, now Peyton Manning is the last Colts or the last Denver quarterback to beat the Chiefs in Arrowhead in December. A little bit more on that a little bit later in the show. I think that's a big part of it, too, about this rivalry, Dusty, is just kind of rejuvenating it within the past, like, six years here when Peyton Manning didn't even meet with the Kansas City Chiefs when they desperately needed a quarterback and then went to the Broncos instead. It was that whole Scott Pioli kind of thing. But yeah. that was another big thing for Chiefs fans. They were like, what? He wouldn't even listen to us. And then he went to Denver. I think that was a big thing and kind of like reigniting. That's something that we've seen, too, over the time with this Denver Broncos rivalry with the Chiefs is that they kind of seem to have these years every once in a while or they have these things happen where it rejuvenates the rivalry. Yeah. Where, like, the Chargers have kind of been stagnant. They're kind of the same team every single year. And then – you look at the Raiders, and they've just had some terrible, terrible years where they weren't even competitive with anybody. So I think that's another reason why the Broncos are definitely the number one. And I get it. The text line says, well, there's nobody in our division since Andy Reid took over. Like, there kind of is. Like, it just, just because you win every game doesn't mean that they're not competing yeah, for the Yeah, Andy Reid was still here when Peyton Manning was beating everyone's ass in the AFC West. So yeah. I'm sorry. Denver's been a division rivalry. I don't care what anybody says. It's not about New England Patriots outside. Yes, everybody doesn't like – I mean – Let's get back on track. But where it comes into effect is the fact that now the Chiefs have won their division for the fourth year in a row. It's clearly obvious to everyone in the division who you've got to be. You listen to outside of the city reports. You listen to like when Steve Atwater joined Denver's local national television show and he was saying, you know, the last time he played him, we know he had a failed punt, uh, a fake, failed fake punt, a failed uh, this, that. It's like, yeah, you just aren't as good because you don't have the answer where you need the most important answer, and that's a quarterback, like we just talked about. Elway, Manning, and now you talk about Mahomes, and the Chiefs have Mahomes, and the Chiefs are the main entree that is the three-course meal of the AFC West. Like, yeah, there's times where, like, the Broncos have been decent because they've rode the coattails of that defense and they're able to stay relevant like an appetizer. But the main course of this division is the Kansas City Chiefs, and now you're seeing the Denver Broncos who drafted Drew Locke to be their franchise quarterback. He wasn't picked in the first round. We know that. He slipped a little bit. He said he had a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. He said it felt like a stack of Pringles, to be exact, after he was drafted. You can't tell me that you didn't know that John Elway did exclusive research when he said, hey, this Drew Locke kid out of Missouri is good. That's not where he stopped. 
He said, yeah, he went to Mizzou. He's also from a suburb right outside of Arrowhead that's only about 10 minutes away in Lee Summit. If he can be what we think he can be, and he can be great, or he can at least be competitive, or he can win a few games, or hell, at least beat the Chiefs, because the Denver Broncos haven't beaten the Chiefs in eight straight games, and if the Broncos lose this Sunday, it'll be their fourth consecutive losing season, which you never like seeing that in a, in a franchise. But what's crazy about that is that, yes, Elway has always been the biggest heel to face the Kansas City Chiefs. There will never be a more hated quarterback in the division than John Elway when it comes to Chiefs fans. I believe this to be true. In fact, the text line supports that. When we asked who's the biggest rival for the Chiefs, the, the number says 913, Denver, easy. Grew up hating Elway, and for the most part, they're always good. I get that. They've been the last good team in the AFC West other than the Chiefs. I get it. The Chargers have been good, but they're not that type of buzz. And when you look at this game and you look at what the Chiefs can become, Drew Locke's going to get his shot. He's going to get his chance to come into Arrowhead as the next wave of a quarterback that could possibly go somewhat toe-to-toe with Patrick Mahomes. I think Patrick Mahomes has the ability to be so much better than so many other quarterbacks. Like, he's in that top tier with, we've talked about. He's elite. Yeah, we've talked about that top tier of Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson, and then there's other classes below that. Drew Locke's going to get a taste of that for the first time this weekend when he does come back home as the visiting quarterback of a team that a lot of people grew up hating in the Denver Broncos. And for that, this is the chance to see, can the Denver Broncos be relevant when it goes to moving forward? Because we know Oakland isn't going to have a chance with Derek Carr. We know the Chargers don't have a chance because we don't know who's behind Phillip Rivers. And hell, maybe this is a hot take, but Cam Newton's going to be a free agent and maybe one of those teams bite on signing him out of Carolina. Yeah, and also just I wanted to point yeah. out the importance of turning over at quarterback position and how that can be such a big difference maker and how that's what might be holding the Raiders back from being that top rival, that top competitor in the AFC West right now. Just look at the Kansas City Chiefs. 2012, they went 2-14. and 14, Then they went out and got Alex Smith. The next year, 11-5. and five. Yeah, the numbers don't lie when it comes to somebody that's leading the helm behind center. Um We'll have Joe Laurie at 2 o'clock, but coming up after this, we'll say it again, and I can't emphasize this enough, you need more McCole Hardman. Out of Bounds with Dusty Likens and Nick Price, 610 Sports Radio. Now offensively, a few Chiefs have a chance to make some history. Travis Kelsey needs only 11 yards receiving to become the first tight end in NFL history with four straight 1,000-yard seasons. And rookie McCole Hardman needs just one receiving touchdown to set the franchise record for receiving touchdowns as a rookie. Now, that's currently shared by a few guys, including Hardman, Tyree Kill, Stephon Page, and Fred Arbanis. And finally, kicker Harrison Butker needs just eight points to have scored the most points in NFL history for a player in his first three NFL seasons. And finally, the last time these two teams met, Patrick Mahomes played less than a half of football, but the Chiefs still managed to put up 30 points in that 24-point win. That 30 points is still the most the Broncos have allowed all season. That voice you hear, whoever's slapping the bass in this song, though, is amazing. Slapping the bass, man. That is some That is some great bass riffs right there. I'm sorry. That's, uh, that's some good stuff. Um, so that was B.J. Kissel, Chiefs reporter. Um, you can follow him on Twitter, at Chiefs Reporter, I believe is literally his handle. Um, I find it interesting when he says that because I feel like there's a lot of 
a lot of stories that are involved within this game. Obviously, the number one story is how in love Jay Binkley is that Drew Locke's coming back to Missouri. Yeah, how excited he is to see it. Like, that's like the biggest thing I think I've noticed in this entire building is how torn Jay Binkley is um, with Drew Locke. Because I think that, of course, like, Binkley's always, like, one of those guys. It's like, I'm always I'm always ahead of everything. Like, I always I had Patrick Mahomes the Chiefs in my first mock. Um, and he's he's torn because he has to root against or he has to hope that the team that he does uh, a post-game show for um, doesn't uh, doesn't beat him. And yeah, that guy that plays for him is a quarterback that he's followed since he was probably 16 years old. That's the best part is that Bink just loves football so much and he fell in love with Drew Locke so long ago, been following him all throughout his time at Mizzou. And then now Bink is just ultimate conflicted right now. Yeah, he's in a he's in a giant box of emotion every time he's in here. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I thought the most important thing that B uh, that BJ Kissel brought up in that little audio clip was the fact that you do have McCole Hardman who is on a uh, record breaking season. He has a chance to surpass the names that you heard. Again, I mentioned this last night. I had no idea. Sorry, this kind of ages me, I guess, but I had no idea that Fred Urbanis was anything but a golf course. Um, I know I should probably do better. But I really, honestly, truly did not know uh, that he was a receiver. I knew he was an athlete. I knew he had his name on a golf course. I just didn't know he was a receiver. Um, but the thing that's crazy is that uh, McCole Hardman, which if you need any more information upon this, Pete Sweeney, uh, chief editor of Arrowhead Pride, has written a 1,300-word article. Uh, on put it Mc- out this morning. Yeah, he put it out this morning, fresh, um, on McCole Hardman's game. Uh, McCole Hardman this year has 24 catches for 498 yards and six touchdowns. He's averaging 20.8 yards per reception. He's averaging 38.3 yards per game. That's really good. And when McCole Hardman was drafted, everyone's, like, attention immediately went to his speed. And then it was, well, maybe they drafted McCole Hardman to be the replacement of Tyreek Hill if things with the Tyreek Hill situation didn't pan out like that was like right, they did. right in the heat of it. Right. And you right had before that. You had that um that little frantic moment where you're like, well, we don't know. Like it's up in the air. Obviously, things worked out in the better for Tyreek. He's still a member of this team. He gets a contract. And now you have Tyreek locked up for at least five years. And then you have this other safety valve that you had in McCole Hardman, where you knew his 40 time was good. You knew he was an excellent punt returner. He was great in college. And then all of a sudden, you're like, okay, let's see what he can do when he gets the limited opportunities as a first-year player. You don't want to overdo him. You want to load manage it pretty well, make sure he's understanding the game. And now all of a sudden, you think about what Tyreek Hill did his rookie year. And Tyreek Hill had 61 catches, 593 yards, six touchdowns. He had, again, 9.7 yards per reception, and he had 37.1 yards per game. McCole Hardman is technically having a better rookie year than Tyreek Hill. Now, there is one gigantic factor. Alex Smith and Patrick Mahomes is the biggest factor within the numbers of these things. I get that. But they play the same position, so that's where we break this down. And, yes, Travis Kelsey is only 11 yards away from having 1,000 yards for the fourth consecutive year, which will also be an NFL record. The Chiefs' rookie record of six touchdowns will probably get broken because there's three games left. This offense is too high of an octane of an offense. You'd think that McCole Hardman can probably find the end zone. Another thing that's insane McCole Hardman is a rookie, and he has three more touchdowns than Sammy Watkins. And, oh, by the way, Sammy Watkins had three touchdowns in the first game of the season. 
it's been a rough season for Sammy Watkins, and we've actually talked about it on this show before of how originally we all thought that McCole Hardman was going to be the replacement for Tyree Kill. We on this show believe that maybe he's the replacement for Sammy Watkins on the outside, yeah. and I think that would be a really great fit for him, you know, two deep threats on the outside. That's one thing. Obviously, you got to look at Mahomes as the quarterback. I mean, even when you look at Tyree Kill's stats, he went up to 17 yards a catch. Yeah, in 2018, when Mahomes took over, he had 15.8 the year before. So I'm not going to knock Alex Smith for that. But that was the year that Alex Smith had Patrick Mahomes sitting behind him and really started chucking the ball down the field. And they started kind of tweaking this offense to yeah. more of a deep play kind of offense. So that's definitely a big part of it. I also think that they the Chiefs might have learned a little bit from how Tyreek Hill progressed in his career yeah. and said, hey, maybe we can just take some shots earlier on with this kid and maybe not baby him so much, you know, maybe not just rely on only his speed, but put him out there as a wide receiver. Now he only has 24 catches on the year. Hardman does. Yeah. So they're not really getting him in, involved as much as I'd like to see, but I mean, the production is there, man, 20, basically 21 yards, a catch and 40 yards a game with only 24 catches on the season. That's impressive stuff. Yeah. And I think that the reason that the numbers are a little bit skewed where it comes to 61 catches as opposed to 24 catches is that if, you look at how the way Alex Smith distributed the ball. It was like a five-yard pass, and then it was after that we're going to go. Um, so you think about that. It was more of like a dink and dunk when it came to Tyreek Hill. It was more so let's throw him in like a bubble screen on the outside. Yes, there's a few times where Tyreek Hill would streak down the field and Alex would hit him for a deep ball, but it wasn't as much as what Patrick Mahomes has done, and that's what you're seeing with McCall Hardman. Is McCall Hardman in the fantasy world is known as a boomer bust with extremely high upside. Whereas in the football world, he is the home run hitter. He was that way against the New England Patriots. He really changed the the pace of that game. After New England had scored that play with Julian Edelman, the Chiefs came right back, was like, hey, here's a secret weapon. Here's McCole Hardman. The thing that's great about McCole Hardman is if you look at the way that receivers have developed in the NFL, Antonio Brown, Tyreek Hill, um, maybe not so much like Michael Thomas or DeAndre Hopkins because they're different styles of wide receivers. They don't have the speed that can beat you. But the two receivers you look at, Antonio Brown, and Tyreek Hill, when they came into the league, they knew that they had – Antonio Brown wasn't a high draft pick. Tyreek Hill wasn't a high draft pick, obviously, uh, for other reasons. But there was – the one thing they had in common was that they had electric speed and they could just burn you and they were good at punt returning. Deshaun Jackson's another one, right? And you look at these types of receivers, and in year one, it's, okay, let's see how they can get used to the game speed. Let's see how they can get on connection with their quarterback. You look at year two – and it's like, okay, how well can they develop route running and how much can they get more adjusted into this game when it comes to running routes? And you saw, obviously, it helped when Tyreek Hill was transitioned to Patrick Mahomes, but it's still, you could have any quarterback and you can look at how they run routes. You look at DeAndre Hopkins. He never had a quarterback until Deshaun Watson, and he was still able to run routes in order to get quarterbacks that were even, you know, Case Keenum, throw him the ball and make sure that he could get open because he just was able to do that. So with Hardman learning the game of the NFL – then learning how to crisp his routes up. Then in year three, which we'll get there eventually, then you make that next step where you put it all together and you see the product. You look at Antonio Brown, Deshaun Jackson. You look at um, Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill, year three, last year, you saw it all work together. Year mm. one, it was like punt returns, kick returns, deep patterns, burning people on drag routes. Year two, it was like, oh, wow, he's really got that seven-yard out. He's able to get it hit, get out of bounds. He's worked on his footwork. And then the year three, it was just a, an absurdity of how great 
Tyreek Hill had gotten in just a few amount of years. And hopefully you see that track kind of working with McCole Hardman because here's the other thing. If you drafted Juan Thornhill to learn under Tyron Matthew and eventually become the Badger of the defense, why can't Tyreek Hill and McCole Hardman have that connection where Tyreek Hill, who is a great team guy, everyone knows that he's a leader on the offense, and then all of a sudden it comes into the effect of, oh, hey, by the way, when I was a second-year starter, I knew that with my speed and this route, it worked. And then all of a sudden, the Chiefs are even set up for more success because then you have Tyreek Hill on the outside, a veteran in Travis Kelsey would be like in his early 30s, and then you have McCole Hardman, and it's like, okay, Tyreek can take the top off the defense, uh, so can this other guy, good luck. I also want to make a point about the difference between the catches in rookie years. So you yeah. had 61 for Tyreek Hill, 24 for McCole Hardman. I just went and looked at that 2016 team sure. of the Kansas City Chiefs, the Tyreek Hill's rookie year. Good team. The other wide receivers, Jeremy Macklin, Albert Wilson, and Chris Conley in his second year. So, you know, there were not as many threats. There weren't as many weapons and on the Kelsey field. Was still there. And Kelsey, but, um, but, you know, like there weren't as many weapons out there. There weren't as many guys sharing the ball. So... I think it's just really impressive that even though his catch numbers are almost a third of what Tyreek Hill had that year, he's making the most of it. I mean, we said it, 21 yards a catch, basically 40 yards a game. Impressive stuff, and he needs to play more, man. Yep, for sure. Get him out there. He's got potential to be a boom, boom, boom uh, when he gets outside. Coming up, we'll talk to Joe Laurie of Fox 4 to get you set up for what is supposed to be a bit of a snowy day on Sunday. Out of Bounds with Dusty Likens and Nick Price, 610 Sports Radio. Two o'clock, live and local, 610 Sports Radio. This is Out of Bounds. Nick Price, Dusty Likens, Kansas City. Thanks for joining us. Coming up after us, Christian Nacero, Jillian Carroll, and Julio Sanchez coined as... Sexiest trio in sports radio. That's right. Um, I think Jimmy Buffett is easy listening. Is that is that what you consider Jimmy Buffett? I, I'd say easy listen, yeah. Oh, man. People like easy listening. I think our boss does. Um, so, things kind of took a little bit of a spin... Uh, this week during the Chiefs game, like they had mentioned a couple things on several different weather aspects, different outlets. And then yesterday, uh, my world flipped upside down uh, because I was like, oh, it's going to snow later in the evening. I'm going to get out of the studio about 530, get home, and then it can just dump buckets of snow and I'll be fine. That's not the case. Now it seems the weather has taken a turn for the worst. So I know nothing about weather. I've said this before. I almost went to school for meteorology. I turned out there was way too much science involved. So I'm leaving it to the experts. And that's why Joe Loria of Fox Sports or Fox 4 News joins us now. Joe, how in the hell are you today? I'm doing well. I, I do like that. Way too much science involved. I just couldn't do it. I can't do chemistry. I'm not smart enough. So I stuck with just talking and being a blowhard. So here's a confession for you. Okay. I, uh, I've always loved weather ever since I was in the third grade. I knew this is what I wanted to do. But in college, for me at least, it wasn't the weather aspect of things that were tripping me up. It was the math aspect yeah. of things. And I've got no shame in admitting that it took me uh, one one summer of summer school to get through uh, Calculus 2. See? And it's no way. here the second time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. There's no way I can take that course. I never would. Like, when I when I figured out my major, like, I graduated from UCM, 
uh, Central Missouri. Shout out to the Mules. Um, I looked at my major, and it was called Digital Media Productions, and it was one semester of math, and I took that as close to the professor as possible. I was that kid, <laughs> hand up the entire time. I just couldn't do it. Uh, Joe, I wish. Yeah. I wish. So we'll get into uh, what is tomorrow in a second, but I have to ask you, I'm a huge Curb Your Enthusiasm fan. Have you seen the episode The Weatherman? One of my favorite episodes of Curb Your Enthusiasm is that episode. Now, I cannot confirm or deny (laughs) that that is applicable. Trying to get an early tea time? But it would not surprise me. The other thing, too, is that, like, when you work in the sports or the media industry with sports, like, I have friends that live in St. Louis. It's like it never fails once a week. They're like, hey, what's the story on this? What's the story on this? So when people hear, like, there's a possibility of snow, do they come out of the woodwork and text Joe Loria and be like, hey, man, what's the word? We getting some snow this weekend? Can you tell me ahead of time? Like, do you get those, like, those people that bug you about it? Yeah, so basically there, there are several levels of this. One is the lead-up to uh, whatever is about to occur, for example, tomorrow into Monday. Two, and this is the one that uh, gets us all the time, it's, uh, essentially, is how much snow in my backyard in my particular city. They yeah. don't, they don't, they just All they care about is how much am I shoveling on Sunday and or Monday and I don't care what two counties away or one city away is going to get. I just want to know about my backyard. Yeah, and uh, that makes things uh, a little trickier. Uh, and that's why we always use a range of accumulations um, because it's tough to be uh, very, very specific. Sometimes we'll, we'll be very good with this, and other times uh, it's a little trickier. And I equate it to essentially what happens when, let's just say you had rain coming in and City A got two-tenths of an inch of rain, big whoop, and City B had half an inch of rain, big whoop. Well, when it comes to snow, that's a big difference. That's like two to five, two to six inches of snow uh, from one city to the other, and that's what makes all snow forecasting kind of a tough, tough deal sometimes. Sometimes. yeah, not to lead you up to a tough deal, though, but uh, you kind of segued perfectly into it. What is like? What is tomorrow going to be like? All right, so the deal for tomorrow is, you're, and you're right, earlier in the week, uh, it looked like um, the main thrust of whatever we were going to get would be more focused towards the evening, overnight on Sunday, and into Monday. And now it sort of looks like, obviously, things have changed, which I guess we should never be surprised about. Uh, and now it looks like we're gonna, going to kind of break this down into two main parts. One comes beginning later tomorrow morning, initially light. Uh, but as we know, around Kansas City and really in any other city, too, if you get a half an inch or an inch of snow at a bad time, for example, when folks are heading out, or perhaps getting a late start to the game, or more importantly, coming out of the game after the game, perhaps, gosh forbid, you know, a couple of beverages, um, and now you're putting all those people on the interstates at 3 o'clock or 3.30 or 4 o'clock after tailgating, post-tailgating, that's when you could really have some issues, and that's what we're concerned about, uh, especially for after the game, just in terms of the impacts. During the game itself, 
yeah, it'll probably be snowing, and it may affect uh, certainly you know the passing slash running game, the offense especially. Um, but in terms of a lot of wind or something like what we saw, what was it last week or two weeks ago? That's not going to be uh, that big of an issue. So the wind part of this, for offensive purposes, passing purposes, not bad. But uh, it probably will be snowing at various times during the game tomorrow, and then the bigger impacts come later tomorrow afternoon after about 2 or 3 o'clock, continue up until about 7 or 8 o'clock, and that's probably going to be an inch or two. And then we get a low tomorrow night, maybe a little freezing mist, freezing drizzle, but probably not a big deal. Mm -hmm. And then the second part of the storm on Monday is the big thing. If, if that tracks right, then we get another two to four inches out of that. And by the time everything is all said and done, we're looking at three to six from north to south, the odds of I-70 southward being more of the four to six range. Yeah. And north of I-70 being more of the three to five range. God, I so want to be those people that bother you. Like, can you tell me about Lee Summit? I'm not going to do that to you. Um See, how much am I going to have at 435? But right now it does look like the south side, let's say 435 on the south side of Kansas City, down towards US 50. That might be a little area that gets a little bit more snow than up towards 152 and Barry Road and up towards KCI. My goodness. Okay, so then I got to ask, like, what kind of snow is it going to be? Because it's like, there's to me, there's the light powdery snow, and then there's like the potato flake type of snow. Like, what are we... What's like, and what's the difference? But like, how does it like? It, one's a wet snow, one's a dry snow. However, that can be possible. Right. But what can we expect so, when it comes to the type of snow? I don't think this is going to be one of those backbreaker type wet, heavy snows, um, because things are going to be cold enough. And that's the other side of all this, especially for your tailgating uh, plans for tomorrow. Is that if you're out there at the gates opening time, and a lot of folks might be because they might be trying to think to themselves, oh, let's try to beat any snow that falls. Let's get out there even earlier, which isn't a bad idea. But it's going to be 20-ish degrees out there. Not a lot of wind, but enough to kind of even cut that number a little bit. So um, it's going to be, you know, really cold. But because the atmosphere is cold, typically you get more of a drier type snow, so more of a fluffy fluffier type snow. So hopefully not one of those backbreaker where, you know, it's that heavy, wet, gloppy stuff. Um, but I would suspect that we'll get a couple of nice, moderate bands of snow tomorrow afternoon. And then Monday, like I said, that's the key. That's when we could get, you know, a pretty decent little thumb. So it's spread out over a couple of days. That means that the private contractors, the folks who yeah. take care of driveways and parking lots, they're going to have more than likely a long two days coming up. <laughs> Good. They got Christmas coming up. They can do a, they could use a little extra a little extra cash in their pocket. So this will help. Yeah. So just to be clear, so you're saying like basically like around like ten in the afternoon till about two yeah, thirty. So, yeah, to, to put a little bow on this for you. Yeah. Uh, snow moves in probably sometime tomorrow after nine AM. Uh, very light, might be flurries for a little while. Okay. Uh, then it should pick up, I think, during the course of the game. It'll start snowing a little bit more consistently, mostly light. And then it picks up a little bit more after the game. Okay. So that by 6 o'clock tomorrow, we probably have one to two, maybe three inches on the ground nice. 
in the area. So count on one or two inches at least by 6 o'clock. But it's the night Then a low, then a low at night, maybe a little freezing, this freezing drizzle, uh-huh. probably nothing too bad. And then the second part of the storm is the key, and that would be another two to four inches um, with some maybe upside, especially on the south side. That would be moving in Monday and lasting into late Monday afternoon. Joe, um, you got to keep going to Italian Delight, man. That's the best place to go in this area because I enjoy the. Uh, they have stra- got yep. a, a. It's my favorite pizza place, and B. I go there uh, every year. I went there yesterday to get uh, my Italian cookies from New York, from Brooklyn, and they're getting another shipment on Monday. And I plan on being there on Tuesday and Wednesday because I've already gone through my first package of Italian cookies. And there you go. Being Italian. I'm all about that. Hey, I dig it, man. Uh, thanks for joining us today, Joe. Be safe tomorrow, and uh, thanks for the weather report. I appreciate it. Yep. Guys, hey. anytime, just give me a holler. You got it, Joe. Thank you. Joe Laurie of Fox 4 Weather Report. There it is. About after 9 a.m., light powdery snow. No backbreakers. And then it's all about the the low at night, I think is what he said. So that's yeah. what, that's yeah. where it's coming. So kids that got to go to school on Monday, if you're not on winter break, I don't know if you are, chances are you're probably not going to go to school. Hey, watch that ticker on the bottom of Fox 4 News. Check out Joe Laurie's, uh Weather report, you know? That's all right. the hot tips. All the hot tips in Kansas City. Go get some Italian Delight cookies. Oh, God, Do it. Their stromboli with the mushroom sauce is to die for. You're the one who turned me on to Italian Delight. Yeah, just right across the street. Yeah, it's like right down the street. Oh, mama. Oh, wow. Slice like, of... like during Royals games, you know? Oh, yeah. Working up here. You're up here for like seven hours. Yep. You go out there. I get some pasta. I get some pizza. I yep. come back here, and I just feast. Yeah, get their, uh, get their stromboli with mushroom sauce. And if you after you get that, um, get a slice of pepperoni pizza. You're... Uh, what is it? Your cholesterol may not be your best friend. You might get a little bit of heartburn, but that's right. what the joy is that that is. Uh, thanks to Joe Lawyer for joining us on Fox 4, uh, from Fox 4 Weather Report. Uh, be safe out there. Uh, he's, he said the most concerned. Talking to you folks that have too many claws that hang out with your bras too long. Nick Price. Um, coming up, I'm not sure how many people remember this, but we have to go down memory lane a bit when it comes to Chiefs and Broncos. Out of bounds with Dusty Likens and Nick Price. 610 Sports Radio. You know who just, like, won't go away is Antonio Brown. Every day is something different. And I know that it sounds contradictory to myself to be like, you know who won't go away? Here's why. Um, He just tweeted out four minutes ago, all you lames who got to act for this world to play roles to be someone you're not, stop texting me telling me what to do when you never made this position. Soft, lost boys, keep acting. Get yourself together. Um, maybe you should get yourself together. There's actually a really funny Twitter account that I stumbled upon the other day, deep in a rabbit hole, mm-hmm. and it's just like an Antonio Brown tweet translator. Yeah. So he just puts it into layman's terms of what AB's trying to say there, especially with all of everything that's been happening lately. It seems like one day he's for trying to seek forgiveness, and then the next day he's out there just calling everybody out. So I don't know what's going on, but, yeah, you're right. He just won't go away. Yeah, we're on a uh, we're on a rant here from uh, Antonio Brown. 24 minutes ago, he was talking to somebody else about a daughter. Then he said 10 minutes ago, numb to the pain. So he spelled numb, N-U-M. Uh, numb to the pain so I keep a smile. Uh, then he sent that hood mentality, feel like I can go through anything. Then he said the thing I just said. Then he just said, Dirty Liana. Uh, and then he said, I am a king, no need to act. Free to be A-B. 
Yeah, it's probably not the best way to get a job. I don't think he's ever going to get a job again, um, and it's just interesting. Um, obviously, today, the uh, college football world is in the Army-Navy game. Always an interesting game, a battle between the two. I think it's interesting to watch that game just because of, like, everything that's involved. It's kind of cool to see the players, like, get some recognition doing what they do and playing for the schools that they represent. I always find that game kind of cool. It's on CBS today as well. Um, it kind of feels like after this weekend – is kind of like the kick into college basketball. Is that right? Like, that's kind of like yeah. where the swing of it begins because conference plays like two weeks away, then everything starts to kind of go around because NFL games start to be played on Saturday. Right. And you Sunday. start to get a more of a schedule with college yeah. basketball, too, where you right. can expect, like, you know, your local team's going to play on Tuesdays or Mondays, and then they're going to play on Saturdays. So you can kind of get that into your routine a little bit more. And there's no competition with college football, which is huge. Yeah. Um, so a lot of you. Uh, that have been Chiefs fans your whole life. I was born um, in 1987, so I wasn't really uh, I wasn't really relevant to the situation. Obviously, I knew about this game being a sports historian. I just didn't know who Fred Urbanis was. And thanks to Chris on Twitter, he has let me know that he is the top AFL tight end of all time. I've got to do better. But uh, the thing that's crazy is that on December 9th in 1990. That was the day that the Denver Broncos had created what is now the crazy Red Sea and Arrowhead and the crowds, and this is what I'm referring to. Second down. Denver inside the run. Elway is under center. Now he pulls away again. His hands on his hips. He looks back at Gordon McCarter, the referee, said, hey, what gives? Again, I have asked the defense to help lower the crowd noise. Any further crowd noise problem will result in a charge timeout against Kansas City. Thank you for your cooperation. So there's a little bit to dive in on this. Um, that was December 9th, 1990, where the, uh, the crowd was too loud for John Elway as the uh, community and digital media producer, Matt McMillan, um, McMullen of the Kansas City Chiefs. You see a lot of his work um, when they do things. Uh, the Chiefs were told to cooperate and keep it down on the defensive side because the crowd was, in fact, too loud for Sounds one so John backwards. Yeah. Sounds so backwards to what you know now, but, you know, back then, that's not exactly how it was, but kind of made Arrowhead what it is today. Yeah, and uh, to, uh, to give a quote of who the ref was, it was, I uh, believe it was Dan Reeves was the coach of the Denver Broncos. Dan was very, uh, as we talked to, uh, uh, it was uh, Gordon McCarter. Um, as the article says of Matt McMullen, he says, that's when John Elway started looking for some help from the referee. Quote, Elway pulled back from under center, placed his hands on his hips, and glared at head referee Gordon McCarter. Just sounds like a referee's first name or a character in Batman. Um, Broncos head coach Dan Reeves was very knowledgeable of the rules, and the noise was brought up before the game. So, like, before the game had even started, somebody had mentioned it, and it was discussed. Uh, Ron, Ron Baines said, he said the line judge that afternoon, or he was the line judge that afternoon. Ron Baines was, he said, quote, there were a lot of referees back then that weren't just going to ignore that type of thing, but not Gordon. Uh, McCarter halted play as he prepared to address the ruckus crowd. And he said, what you just heard on the audio, I have asked the defense to help lower the crowd noise. Any further crowd noise problem will result in a charge timeout against the can against Kansas city. Thank you for your cooperation. And then you just hear the crowd absolutely go into a frenzy and boo. The video is available on YouTube if you'd like to watch it. And the title of the video is The Day Arrowhead Stadium Was Too Loud for the Denver Broncos. 
Marty Schottenheimer in the glorious 90s turtleneck that said Chiefs across the neck. I had one in student pictures when I was a kid. Um, quote in the article as well, Gordon was very uh, meticulous about things. Our pregame meetings were long, and he was going to go by the letter of the law, uh, Bain said. He wasn't the best microphone guy we had, and he didn't talk a lot on it. So when I heard the announcement, I was really kind of impressed with his explanation. Clear as it was, it didn't work. Um, the article's great. If you want to look at it, you can go to the Kansas City Chiefs website, KansasCityChiefs.com, um, and look up the article. It was posted today at 8 o'clock in the morning, 8.48 to be exact. Mac McMullen, you can follow him on Twitter as well. Fan of the show, I believe. Could be wrong. Um, but it's Denver's fault that the Kansas City Chiefs crowd is the way that it is. Like, that was the day that the Kansas City Chiefs crowd was born. And that's why it's things like this that defend our opening statement, and we'll reverse to it again here in a little bit. But that's why I believe, too, to be true, that it is the Denver Broncos who control the biggest rivalry when it comes to the Kansas City Chiefs in this division. I get it, relevancy kicks. 1990 is when the crowd was born, 96, 97. Denver went back-to-back Super Bowls. Neil Smith even went to the Denver Broncos and won a Super Bowl who was notoriously known as the Defensive tackle number 90, the George Brett sack celebration swing. And then now you get the modern day where the local kid is now the quarterback of the Broncos. And the guy that used to rip out every Chiefs fan's heart in the 90s is now the president and operations manager of the Denver Broncos. It's like Elway will never go away for certain fans. I think it's really hilarious in that clip when they they tell the defense, basically like try to get the crowd calmed down. That's like when you're, that's like when your girlfriend's upset and you try to tell her to calm down or you tell her to chill out, and that just has the absolute opposite effect. I don't have like, a girlfriend. What you, you, well, you know, imagine with me for a second. It's tough for me, yeah. It's okay. You'll find, you'll find love someday. But it's just pretty funny that they thought that that was the right way to go about it. Like, no, if you tell Arrowhead that they need to be quieter, it's just going to get ten times louder. And if you want to blame, like, why this crowd is the way it is, it's because of the Denver Broncos and the fact that Elway at the time – was starting to become that Tom Brady-esque type of quarterback where it just seemed he got every rule, he got every call. I remember the one thing my dad would always complain about is that Elway, when he was at the line, would always, like, nod his head when he would do the snap cadence, like, hot, 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 and he'd, like, move his head across the line, and that was illegal. And my dad would always say it was Marino and Elway that would always do that to draw the defense off sides, and the minute that somebody else's quarterback did it, Oh, nope, nope, nope. False start quarterback couldn't do it, but Elway and Marino could get away with it. Uh, my dad's also sometimes sour about certain things. Like, he was very interesting in the New England game going back and forth via text messaging. Um, but the thing about that is it was the Denver Broncos. It was December 9th. It was 1990. And by the way, only three quarterbacks in the history of the Denver Broncos franchise have won in Kansas City in the month of December, and the Broncos' record at Arrowhead Stadium in the month of December is 3-17. and 17. Nick Price, the three quarterbacks that have beaten the Chiefs in December for the Denver Broncos are Peyton Manning, John Elway, Kyle Orton, your boy. Kyle Orton, my boy. Yeah, going back to that Packers game. Best-looking bangs I've ever seen mm-hmm. for a male. Oh, man. Um, he, he's, he's stuck with them, too. Yeah, Kyle Orton just really knew how to wear the wristband on the left wrist. Uh, really knew how to do the fist-up celebration. I don't know why I liked Kyle Orton more than most people did, but for some reason I just, man, I just, I don't know what it was about Kyle Orton, but he is only one of the three quarterbacks. Like, you look at that and it's like something doesn't belong here. Um, 
The Kansas City Chiefs have been dominant against the Denver Broncos in December. The Kansas City Chiefs have beaten the Broncos eight straight times. Their division record since 2015 is absolutely disgusting. And now you get the chance for the new wave at quarterback for the Denver Broncos to come in in his hometown where he hasn't played on this field since Missouri played BYU in a game. And now he gets to come back home. And, oh, by the way, it's going to snow. So I don't really know if that favors anybody. I don't know if it, like, is a disadvantage to Kansas City or Denver. It always snows in Denver. It seems to always snow in Kansas City this time of year. But it's Sunday. It's the Broncos. It's the Chiefs. And what I believe is the biggest rivalry in the AFC West when it comes to two teams. It's bigger than Chiefs-Oakland. It's bigger than Broncos-Chargers. It's bigger than Chiefs-Chargers. It's Broncos. It's Chiefs. It's Drew Locke. It's Patrick Mahomes. And it's, uh, it's all at 12 o'clock tomorrow. Snow and everything else. Coming up, we go around the NFL. Out of Bounds with Dusty Likens and Nick Price. 610 Sports Radio. Talked a lot of Denver Broncos in the crowd and whose fault it was. Uh, we'll play that probably as we uh, exit the show later on today. I also want to read you that article from the Denver Post, a little bit of the highlights. Um, through two games, Drew Locke has completed 40 of 55 passes for 443 yards, five touchdowns, two interceptions. He averages 8.1 yards per attempt compared to 7.0 for Joe Flacco um, and 6.1 for Brandon. I look like Nick Price Allen. Fans see him as uh, providing hope, a longtime season ticket holder, uh, found the writer at the grocery store on Tuesday and said, Drew's making it fun to watch the games again. Two wins, one nickname, Buzz Lightyear. Um, he's also changed the mood of that clubhouse, you could say, or the locker room as, uh, I don't know, Von Miller seems to like him a little bit, says he's kind of got a big personality. It's attractive to all the other teammates. It makes them, um, you know, want to play harder, smarter, play behind the team. But uh, when we talk about the quarterbacks that have won for the Denver Broncos in Kansas City, um, only three. Um, the only quarterbacks to triumph in December in the Kansas City are Peyton Manning, Kyle Orton, John Elway. John Elway in 94, Kyle Orton in 2009, Peyton Manning in 2013. Uh, Manning was, uh, when he did it, he was 35 of 28. or he They won 35-28, completing 22 of 35 passes for 403, five touchdowns, two picks. He's also the only quarterback in Denver Broncos, uh, or he's the last Denver Broncos quarterback to beat the Chiefs um, as he rallied from behind as Denver won 31-24 on September 17, 2015. For those of you that don't remember the Kyle Orton game um, in 2009, uh, he was 15 of 25 for 180 yards through two touchdowns, and Denver won 44-13. And then John Elway did it in 94 as he was 18-22 for 256 and one score and no interceptions. And now the Lee Summit kid uh, has to be the next wave of hope, I guess you could say, for the Denver Broncos. And that is all I have to say about that as now we do our normal segment this time as we go outside the NFL. So we saw this on Twitter earlier, Dusty, a pro football talk article. Yeah. Ryan Fitzpatrick might lead the Dolphins in rushing yards this year. This Hilarious. is from the article. Fitzpatrick who has 168 yards on the ground and is only 15 behind long-gone Mark Walton for first place among all members of the team this year. He's currently got a 51-yard lead over uh, Kalen Ballage, who is on IR. The next closest threat is Patrick Laird, who has 84 yards on the season 
Fitzpatrick got 65 yards on the ground last week. I mean, just sad state of affairs for the Dolphins, or is this some Fitzmagic in December that we're seeing? No, this is just Ryan Fitzpatrick not giving two dams about your draft pick next year. No. Everyone at the beginning of the year said Miami was the worst team they'd seen in forever. They were definitely going to get a lock for the first pick. Maybe Burrow was going to be their quarterback. Hold my beer, says Ryan Fitzpatrick. Not only am I going to ruin your first-round pick, I'm going to ruin your franchise history books and lead your team in 2019 in rushing as a quarterback. I mean, you just if you're trying to tank, don't You'll go out and it. get Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's the oh. guy who always seems to put together a couple amazing games, get you a couple wins. Not to mention he's got like 10 uh, rivalry games because he played for those teams before. So yeah, He has more jerseys in his uh, football repertoire then I think uh, Ricky Henderson might have baseball jerseys, and it's not even close. For real. Also, or outside the NFL this week, Orlando Skandrick just continuing this haterade tour that he's on. Here he was on Colin Coward uh, on the herd, trashing Baker Mayfield. What do you make of Baker calling out the medical staff? That's Baker, though. He calls out Miles Garrett, who's you know one of the best players on our team, after he hits the guy with the helmet when he could have taken the high road and just said, you know, that's unfortunate situation. Um, we support Miles. What's unfortunate for Mason, and then he just moved on. But instead, he always puts himself in the middle. And, and Baker is like a joke, man. He, This guy has so much confidence and arrogance to have done nothing. Do you think that's how players see him in the league? I don't know how players see him, but I mean, at the rate that he's going, I don't, I don't see how Baker's going to play eight, nine, ten years. He's an interception machine. He doesn't do anything but rub people the wrong way. And once the investment starts to become more than the return, then what happens? That's a very good point. So Orlando Skandrick just on this all-time hate tour. We remember last week when he was basically trying to throw the Chiefs offense under the bus. And Shannon Sharp just went off on him. I mean, what's up with Orlando Skandrick right now? It's an interesting gimmick because this is now two weeks in a row that we've talked about him. Um, And the interesting part about Orlando Skandrick is the fact that he is creating content. He is playing what is the media heel for ex-NFL teams because if you remember before he uh, threw down the uh, Chiefs, he was throwing down the Eagles. And he was saying, I believe it was Malcolm Jenkins. Is that who it was, the defensive player for the Eagles? He was like, oh, he's not a dog. He doesn't have a leader of a team. And then the Eagles were like, hang on one second. Here's audio of you literally bowing down to your defensive player that you were trashing and saying all these great things about him. Orlando Skandrick is a clown. He is trying to make himself relevant outside the NFL world. And, of course, if he's going to figure out how to get a hold of Colin Cowherd and say, hey, I can keep throwing fire on this hatred that you have towards Baker Mayfield gimmick. Let me come on your show on Fox Sports 1. By the way, I'm just jealous he got to be in the same room as uh, as Joy Taylor. Yeah, speaking of clowns, That's I mean, the, lady. the New York Jets are just full heart. of them. Yeah. And they're having a really rough season. Hey, and we... don't call my guy a clown. Huh? Don't call my... I know where you're going with this. Don't call my guy a clown. I just want to say... I'm going to defend this. I'm going to really be pissed off. Okay, you well, I want to play a little audio for you, Dusty. This happened last week. Le'Veon Bell missed the game because of an illness, but he went bowling the night before. The bigger yeah. surprise, I rolled a 251 off the flu. <laughs> <laughs> That's the bigger surprise. That career high. Off the That's sickness. my career high. 251. Off the sickness. 238. Yeah, 251. No 7 splits. Nah, no, thank goodness. Nah. <laughs> Time to defend your boy here, Dusty. Okay, I'm going to defend it really easily because I defended it the other night. When you went to college, Nick Price, and you were sitting in the auditoriums in Kansas and you were doing these things and there was that annoying kid behind you that was sneezing and coughing, you had to stop yourself and tell him, why are you here? 
Like, all you're going to do is cause others to get sick. Their quarterback in New York already has had mono. Brandon Marshall has also already been sick. They're literally, they're tied in. Brian Griffin has been sick. And now all of a sudden, Le'Veon Bell is sick. I don't want Le'Veon Bell near my team. I don't want him at the facilities. I don't care if he's coming off of it, if he's on day six of the Z-Pack pill packages. I don't know what he's got to do. Just don't come around my team. Now, granted, he's making the bowling alley a complete epidemic and just causing people to, like, anytime they want to go bowling, might have been Le'Veon Bell's ball and just <laughs> all over the place. But the thing is, I don't have any issues with this. He's not around the team. He was ruled out of the game. I get it. People are like, well, he's making money. You're going to let him go bowling? Who cares? The team doesn't need him on the sideline getting even more sick. Let him go bowl. He can't play in the game. He doesn't need to be around the team. It's fine. He didn't do anything outstanding. And by the way, he bowled a 251 off the sickness. I'll give him that. That's pretty impressive. Let's stick in the same division here. The Buffalo Bills are going to play on Sunday night football this week. Mm -hmm. The last time they were on Sunday night football, J.P. Lossman was their quarterback. They lost 56-10 to to the Patriots. Randy Moss had four touchdowns in the first half. Three current TV analysts played in that game. Brewski, Harrison, and Moss, and Mike Vrabel played in that game, who's obviously now the head coach of the Titans. And also owns the sexiest mustache in the entire NFL. Andy Reid has fallen to second place, which is okay because he's, I think they're the He's a legend of the mustache game. Yeah, Andy Andy Reid's is there. It's just that Vrabel's younger, so it's just thick and black, and there's not a lot of gray hairs in it. Andy Reid's, back when he was in Philly, uh, nobody touched it. But when it comes to uh, the Buffalo Bills, hey, man, they're a playoff team. Like, they're for real. They're going to be in the playoffs this year. Um, Josh Allen has finally gotten the team back to where it's at. Sean McDermott has done a great job, has a possibility of being coach of the year, even though I believe it's probably going to go to either Mike Tomlin or Kyle Shanahan. Probably going to go to Shanahan in San Francisco just because he's got that team absolutely on fire. And the NFL likes winning records, and they like to promote those guys. But Mike Tomlin is my coach of the year just at where – or maybe it's Ryan Fitzpatrick. I don't know. Two more stories for okay. you here, Dusty, to wrap this up. You got time. Everybody in Kansas City seems to hate the Patriots. One thing about the Patriots that they don't hate is Rob Gronkowski and Bill Belichick had a really funny story about his pre-draft meeting. Yeah, Which, Rob was kind of a shot in the dark. He uh, he came up on his pre-draft visit, uh, had a bad visit. Um, we put him in a room, came back. He was asleep on the floor. Uh, didn't make a very good impression. He was what? He was sleeping on the floor? <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, I brought him in. We just kind of, you know, we're getting ready to, you know, have a meeting with the coaches and go through, and then I fell asleep on the floor. It happens. Like, oh, boy. You know, so. Uh, what was he doing the night before? I got a slow start uh, there. What was the last time you slept on the floor? Uh, two nights ago. That's a lie. Um, I want to say it was. Ooh, I want to say Panama City Beach, my Ooh, senior PCB. year in college. Yeah, yeah the air no, mattress deflated because I just, floor. I think there was a hole in it somewhere and it just deflated. So I ended up being like basically on a trash bag in the that's, middle of the floor. That's the worst part too. You sleep in an air mattress because the first like 10 minutes on the air mattress, yeah. you're like, okay, I think this might work. This might be a decent night. And then, you know, 20 minutes later, you're basically on the hardwood with just kind of like some air around you. I also think it's funny that Tony Gonzalez is in the room. He's like, it happens. Yeah, he's like, it happens. What's the big deal? And this guy's better than me now. Ah, well, okay, last part, as we yeah. seem to always wrap up outside the NFL with Mark Ingram clip of the week this week. He was on the field with Lamar Jackson That's and Aaron Andrews after the game, and she just said, here you go, Mark, take it over. Someone suggested I give you the mic and you ask a question. You want to go ahead? Freaky L, a.k.a. Action Jackson. 
a.k.a. Era A Apparel. Listen, my dog. Hey, Juno, hit him. Hey, crank, crank. All right, L. Man, you broke Mike Vick's rushing record, man. You the AFC North champions for the second year in a row. How I feel, man? Tell me how I feel, El Freaky. Um, it feel good, but you know we, we got a lot of season left to play, and, and we got we got two more um, banners to hang up. And so you telling me the story unwritten? Unwritten right now. Book unfinished. Right. Congratulations, brother, on breaking Mike's Vic record and being the goat, the MVP that you are. Appreciate it, brother. Hey, hey, man! Thursday night football in America. Back to you in the studio. Trust. <laughs> that was awesome. Even Joe Buck loves it. I love this guy, man. I mean, I don't know how you can't love him. No, he's amazing. You can hate him when you play him in the we AFC never Championship. Of, we never heard any of this before when he was in New Orleans, and now he's on Baltimore, and he's just having a great year and having the best time of his life. I heard an interesting stat about Mark Ingram when he was uh, playing the game with Joe Buck, as he said, it was kind of frustrating in New Orleans because obviously Alvin Kamara is their guy moving forward, but he had to split the carries with Alvin Kamara. So then he came to Baltimore to be the lead back, and now he's basically doing the same thing with Lamar Jackson because Lamar Jackson is basically doing things that are just unheard of at the quarterback because now he's past Michael Vick. And I guess you at the end of the day could say that's pretty good for a running back. Uh, Mark Ingram is exactly what you need in the NFL, especially this time of year when things start to wind down. Find you a relationship that is better than Mark Ingram and Lamar Jackson. The only one that I would put up there, Travis Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes. It's definitely a competition, but uh, they're having a lot of fun over That's there. That's what I would like to see. I would like to see a reality show of one week it's Mark Ingram and Lamar Jackson, and then the next week it's Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes because the way that interview started, the nicknames that he gave Lamar Jackson, yeah. Freaky L, New Era, Eight Apparel, and then I think there was another one in there as well. Uh, started that again from the beginning. It's great. You can cut it off to that because I know we got to get to a break, but go ahead. Like, the names that he uses are just fantastic. Someone suggested I give you the mic. Can you ask a question? You want to go ahead? Freaky L, a.k.a. Action Jackson. Action Jackson. A.k.a. Era A Apparel. That's right. Listen, my dog. Hey, Juno, hit him. Hey, crank. Hey, crank. Right, All right, 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 That's what's great. And also, you know what's great about this is Aaron Andrews knowing exactly where she's at at that exact same moment, knowing that there is a chance that she could strike audio gold. And there's probably someone also in her ear, probably their producer, their technical director, somebody there saying, Give number Just 21 give the, mic. the mic and let him run with it, and I guarantee you this goes on. And, in fact, it did. It went on out of bounds on 610 Sports Radio. Big trust. That's right. This is uh, live and local Saturday. we got to wrap this thing up. we got to do the two-minute warning, get you out of here, and get you set up for the three, uh, the most sexiest trio in sports radio, Juice, Kristen Acero, Julian Carroll, and Julio Sanchez. All of that next after this. Out of bounds with Dusty Likens and Nick Price. 610 Sports Radio. Back in on Out of Bounds, the final segment of the show. Thanks for joining us. Uh, you heard us right after K-State. They took the L today. So, again, it's early December. Conference play hasn't started yet. Don't lose trust in Bruce Weber. That guy gets a harder. Uh, that guy's got a bigger chip on his shoulder than anybody I've ever seen. He's won a Big 12 championship title twice. He gets three times, maybe. so much criticism. He does. It's crazy. It's the voice. We should, just have, it is uh, the voice. we should just have Ben Heisler join us and just do Bruce from Manhattan for an entire segment. And just act like, you know, ask questions. I'm down for that. Yeah, he joined us last night uh, on the night shift. Or not the night shift. That's the old show. Uh, Beak at night. He uh, joined us. Uh, and uh, he was talking. I told him, I was like, I lied to him, actually. Because I wanted to do an impersonation. 
And he said he's it, so good at impersonation. He said too. that his son Micah had just gone to bed. And I was like, well, the text line wants you to do Gilbert Gottfried. And he's like, oh, That's just... the one that always stands out to me, too. Yeah, and he just said, he's like, well, I just put my kid to bed. And he was like, let me tell you about the chase. And he just kind of, like, went into it. And I was like, oh, my God. And he did it, like, in a slight whisper. And I could just tell that his wife was somewhere in the house. Just like, what? Is he the doing the hell? Gilbert Godfrey again? Yeah, because nobody texted in to ask him to do that. So, sorry, Benny High. Still love you. Um, yeah, Action Jackson and Freaky L. That's the, uh, those were the names from uh, Mark Ingram. What a guy. Uh, so, Sunday. Uh, here's what Noah Fant said this week about the Chiefs and the Broncos. You told me after that Chiefs game before that was the worst game you played in your life. Mm-hmm. And what was it the happens. key to responding the way you have and how much are you looking forward to facing them again? Yeah, I mean, the key to responding is just that, <laughs> I mean, honestly, I couldn't have done much worse. So I knew that I had to go back to the drawing board and, um, you know, just keep working. So um, I'm definitely looking forward to, you know, playing them again. Um, they're, they're a great team. Um and you know, I'm just—I think our whole offense, our whole team is just looking to bet, you know, put a better product on the field than what we did. And you know, we went back and watched through that game again, and uh, we're just looking to, you know, definitely put a better product on the field. Uh, not feeling like, you know, we didn't feel like we put our best foot out there. So. Yeah, good luck with that. Um, good luck with that, Noah Fant. Uh, he's coming to this game a little, a little under the weather, uh, or not under the weather, but a little beat up. So that's interesting because that's a connection that Drew Locke has made. Uh, very, very solid in his uh, in his startup here, which is crazy to think about this because when you think about the Broncos and where they move forward and who they are with the Kansas City Chiefs, it's very interesting because the Broncos and the Chiefs, two teams that are in the same division, obviously, that's the rivalry in the AFC West. That is what's been the rivalry um, in the uh, in the AFC West for me, at least my entire life. It I agree always, with you on that, Dusty. Like for yeah. me. Personally, growing up in Kansas City since 2001, it's always been the Broncos. I know that you're supposed to hate the Raiders, but right. it's always been the Broncos because of what actually happens on the field. Is it weird? I thought that was Pete Sweeney in there. That's actually Josh Furnier. Is that Josh? Or is that Pete? You don't know either, do you? It's not Pete because Pete just told it's me goodbye. Josh. Yeah, Pete and Vern. God, they look just almost identical. Um, the thing that's crazy about this game moving forward is the fact that there's only been three quarterbacks that have won in December in Arrowhead. And those quarterbacks are Peyton Manning in 2013, John Elway in 1994. And then the GOAT. And then Kyle Orton, who had probably the most impressive bangs for a male quarterback that I've ever seen. You just got to love his dedication to the bang game. He beat the because, Chiefs 44-13. Like, bangs were out of style, like, probably a good seven to ten years before that. Yeah, they were and out of style kept, after the Beatles. He, he just kept rocking them. Yeah, he looked like... He looked like a young George Harrison playing quarterback uh, in the NFL. And then he became a Chief, which is also hilarious. Got a really big win. When people tell you you can't play Madden with the Chiefs, you just respond with, I was there when Matt Castle, Kyle Orton, um, God, I'm running out of names, uh, Tyler Tyler Thigpen, Tyler Palco, Damon uh, Heward, Brody Croyle, Croyle. never won a game in his life in the Chiefs uniform. So, yeah, piss off, Um, which is a line that I got from uh, uh, Ready to Rumble. Great movie, by the way. I know you've never seen it. Uh, the thing that's crazy about this game as well is that it is the homecoming for Drew Locke. It is overbeaten, overdrawn. Everything has been talked about with Drew Locke coming here. But the thing that's undermined in this is that Drew Locke has played well in his two games. Five touchdowns, two picks. He's making a statement for himself as a Broncos quarterback. The thing that's interesting about this is Drew Hawk, Drew Hawk, Drew Locke kind of gives you a little bit of a glimpse into what could possibly be the AFC moving forward. You don't know who's going to play quarterback for the Denver Bron- or for the Oakland Raiders. I don't think Derek Carr is the answer. He hasn't beaten the Chiefs at Arrowhead ever. He's terrible against the Chiefs. 
to be the best, you've got to beat the best. Also, when you think about the Chargers, Phillip Rivers, that arm is all but gone, and Drew Locke is the one now. Again, it's a week-by-week thing in the NFL, but Drew Locke has a chance to come in here where he's from, play the heel, and kind of get the Broncos back to relevant against the Chiefs, who have dominated for four years in a row. Two-minute warning. That'll bring us to the two-minute warning. What the heck? Let's go. That voice is Andy Reid. This voice is Dusty Likens. Again, thank you very much for joining us once again on a Saturday show, live and local here on 610 Sports Radio with Nick Price, myself, after us, Chris Unicero, Jillian Carroll, and Julio Sanchez as... The sexiest trio in sports radio. There you go. It's what it is. Sunday's game is at noon. Just remember that before that game starts, you have Steven Serta's fantasy show at 9 a.m. I know if you're listening, you like fantasy football, and you're probably in your playoffs, and you're in the semifinals, or you're like me like your boy, in back-to-back championship games. I'm going for the trophy two years in a row. By the narrowest of margins. That's right. I won by 1.2 points last week. Thanks to Alshon Jeffrey blowing it in that game. I'm just kidding. Hopefully he gets well. But thanks to Golden Tate not having a big game. After Steven Serta's fantasy show, you get Pete Sweeney, Kent Swanson, Arrowhead Pride pregame show. I'll be with them. We'll do that from 10 to noon, and then they'll take your calls after that show or after the game for uh, after the game audio in the locker room at the podium your calls your reactions to when the Chiefs lay it on the Broncos my prediction Nick Price 31-17 Chiefs I was going to go actually a little bit higher I'm going 37-24 December 9th 1990 is the year that uh, I just can't find it I don't know where it went Uh, yeah here it is the year that Arrowhead became the crowd Second down. Denver inside the one. Elway is under center. Now he pulls away again. His hands on his hips. He looks back at Gordon McCarter, the referee, said, hey, what gives? Again, I have asked the defense to help lower the crowd noise. Any further crowd noise problem will result in a charge timeout against Kansas City. Thank you for your cooperation. Biggest important part of that audio, that was Kevin Harlan, a young lad, Kevin Harlan. He's still sexy. His voice still does it to me. He gets me going every time I hear Kevin Big Harlan game talk. Voice. That's what I'm saying. The other thing, too, John Elway putting his hands on his waist, looking at the referee going, stop this crowd. It's too loud. And now the crowd is what it is because of December 9th, 1990, Chiefs Broncos. I'll tell you what, after us, sexiest trio in sports radio, Unicero, Carol, and Sanchez. I'm out of here, Kansas City. Stay live and local. Bounds with Dusty Likens and Nick Price, 610 Sports Radio. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.